if you're going to race cars, mate, you're going to crash cars. You telling me you made a time machine out of a McLaren? Oh, my dad always says you shouldn't hit boys, mate. Oh, uh, well, we're not friends. Well, racing is life. Anything that happens before or after, just waiting. You're listening to The Grid Girls with Saski and Sarah. It's been a while. You know, we, I had know. This whole, we had this whole plan to do this every week, and then you went to South Africa, and I went to St. Petersburg, and everything. I also got laryngitis. That happened too. Oh, man, yeah. So Thanks to Blab. But for the most of it, I think we're good. Yeah. Also, Saski had laryngitis, so you won't so hear much. It was meant to be you and... And, and I interviewing Jenny Gow, it turned into me croaking and hand gesturing and her <laughs> laughing at me yeah, and then you interviewing her because I couldn't speak. You know what? It went okay. It went okay. <laughs> we did well when one of us was like mime artistry through the, the video. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But she was wonderful and it was amazing to get to talk to her. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to sharing that a bit, a little bit later on in the show. Yep, yep. One of the things she talked about actually was um, the upcoming Formula E race in Long Beach. Uh, she said that was one of her favorite tracks on the calendar, and that is in two weeks, which is pretty exciting. I can't wait. It was so much fun last year. I can't wait to go again. I think you also loved last year because you were fleeing the snow apocalypse. That's true. Oh, that's very true. Um, not so. You much- were like, I don't have to dig myself out of anything to go anywhere. No, not this time. Thank God. Although it did snow yesterday. So I'm over this. I'm very over this. Theoretically, I think it's meant to snow here sometime this week. And I'm just like, whatever. It snowed here like three times all all winter. Yeah, it hasn't been bad. No. It's all been right. non-existent. Well, let's, let's get into this. Let's, let's get, get into this good stuff. Guess what happened today or yesterday, I guess. Tatiana Calderon tested her GP3 car. She did. I didn't realize she was sponsored by Kia. They're one of my company's clients. I get to cheer oh, for her twice now. I did not realize that either. That is excellent. Pretty good. Yeah, it's all over the side of her car. Brilliant. Yeah, so Arden Motorsport, she's testing the GP3 car. Going to keep doing that all week. Um, I believe that season starts in a few weeks, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, I, are, they, are they racing in Bahrain? No, yes. So I can never remember which of the um, – which are the Middle East ones that they do race at and which ones they don't. And I yeah. thought they raced at Bahrain, but GP2 I think maybe Bahrain they raced last year. Yeah. So I and know. I was, I was, cause they did, they did F1 and WEC, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. The six hours. But with Bahrain coming at the start, was Bahrain normally at the end of, I left my F1 notebook at home. So I had like, <laughs> normally I'd be like going through it and being like, when was Bahrain last year? But you know, not today. It's not today. Up. It's but not yeah. today. I left it at home. <laughs> friend of ours witnessed me on the weekend, Sarah Connors, at a other friend of ours birthday party. Someone mentioned F one, and I was like, I love F one. I pulled my F one notebook out of my handbag, and they were just like, because <laughs> of course you've got that on you. Really, I was going from this party to somewhere to watch. Um, Australia. Watch uh, Australia, but it was still someone just looked at me and were like. Yeah, well, okay. So the first GP2 race is not till GP2 May. or GP3? 
I'm, I'm doing GP2 first. I'm Googling. I'm, I'm going to GP3 next. The first GP2 race is not for 51 days. It is not till May. Is that And Circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia. Barcelona, Catalonia. I don't know when it became Barcelona. You tried. But I tried. Look, I tried and I failed. So GP2 is not for 51 days in Barcelona. And GP3 starts... Well, I will tell you when this website loads. <laughs> I'm like, load faster. We're, we are prepared today, I promise. I just forgot to look this up. Yeah, it's- well, I know, look, I know testing's on. Uh, GP3's first race is exactly the same. So GP2 and GP3 don't start until May when they race at Barcelona. Okay, that's fine. Yes. We'll look, we'll look forward to that then. It means I actually have a reason to get up at stupid o'clock to watch GP3 now. Oh, it's always stupid o'clock. But this year, GP, at least GP3 is racing Barcelona, Austria, Ger- uh, Barcelona, Austria, Silverstone, Hungary, Germany, Spa, Monza, Kuala Lumpur. Do they know that? I don't think they normally did that one. And, and um, uh, Abu Dhabi, Yas Marina. Yeah, I think Malaysia's new this year. Uh, they never did that before. That's pretty yeah, cool. and I think it's probably also because Malaysia was typically the next race, correct? You would go from Australia to Malaysia, and instead we're going to Bahrain. Yes. Bahrain yeah. is always early in the calendar, though. Like, it's usually – I think it's usually Australia, Malaysia, and then Bahrain. Like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So we're, 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 we've – Right. Because remember last year, GP2 raced at Bahrain twice because they did yeah. it early in the season along with uh, – the F1 race, and then they did it later. Yeah. So GP2 has two more races this year than GP3. Uh, GP2 also races Monaco and Baku. Oh, good. Oh, good. They're all going to Azerbaijan. The Grand Prix of Europe that isn't even in Europe. All right. I'm not getting on to that. Let's get into something else. Um, you watch tell, it. Okay. Tell me about the 12 hours of separate. Okay. Did you, you didn't see any of that? No. I know that it was wet. It was it was very wet. There was like a large portion of that. And I was like, are we looking at a lake or what's happening here? Yeah, no. So obviously, like, there was a lot going on this weekend. There was Australia. There were like 900 Bruins games. I did not admittedly see much of Sebring, but I watched. I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, that's honestly, it's a great way to follow along. Because like, yeah. obviously, I'm not going to sit in front of a TV for 12 hours to watch this stuff. Um, in the GTD class, which is GT Daytona. Ah, uh, there were women on the podium in the one and the two spots, which Ooh, yeah. is freaking awesome. Scuderia Corsa uh, with Christina Nielsen won the race, which is really cool yeah, for that class. And Ashley Freeberg in the Turner BMW came in second with her teammates, who I don't care about because they're men. Uh, <laughs> where's I, the love line, politically, no, I love how politically <laughs> incorrect that statement is, but it also perfectly encapsulates so much of our approach to things like, no, to be honest, we CBF. We the other 900% yeah, of yeah. Like, don't care. If, if we're talking about IMSA, no offense to, like, IMSA or whatever the GT Dotono or whatever that class is, but the reason we are interested in you is because women. Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't care otherwise. Who cares? Whatever. I'm sure IMSA is there's very only, look, There's only so many levels of motorsports you can be passionately into at one time. Like, you can't love everything. So you I only love so many hours in the day, friends. I also have to follow <laughs> hockey and soccer. There's not enough time. It's called okay. football, Sarah. It's called football. So I also slept through the Arsenal game this weekend because of qualifying. <laughs> I loved your tweet that was like, missed it. I <laughs> actually managed to... 
So I missed qualifying because I was on a plane. Yeah. But I managed to get off the plane, get home, download it and watch it without anyone spoiling it. Nice. Good job. I'm super impressed. Yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, it was a long weekend. It was a lot of sports. It was a lot going I know, on. There was a so lot going of- on. Um, yeah, so let's get into series recaps because you know what? I went to St. Pete for IndyCar. And was- Tell me about St. Pete's. I was in South Africa at a wedding, so I really like I've watched half of the race on YouTube while I was cleaning, but I really like <laughs> tell me about what happened. I know that Alex Rossi got points, yeah, and Connor got points for leading the race, yeah. and that Woolpower was sick, and that's about all I know. That also happened. So- and I also, <laughs> St. Pete's is a boring track. No, it's not. I did thought you it was a pileup. Did you see that pileup? I, I think know, look, pileups pile make me really uncomfortable nowadays, so I don't find them like, I'm like, oh, no, I saw the part where this. Yes, that's what I mean. Graham Rahal was very upset. Everyone thought he gave the middle finger to the camera, but he was actually pointing, and I don't know. It was really funny. Tell so, me about ten things. Go. It was a great race. So we got there, well, first of all, we got there Thursday because I want to ride in the two-seater. I got to be driven around the track by Davey Hamilton. It was amazing. Um, Super fun. And then the next day we did the 5K and I ran around the track. So I basically went as slow as possible and as fast as possible around this track, which is fun. Um, Friday, you know, we just kind of puttered around, watched practice. Uh, We had paddock passes so we could check out all the cars. Um, They're so cheap in any car. I'm not making fun of you for the words we had paddock passes. Because I've seen how cheap they are. Yeah. So if you're coming from F1, like, you have to pay, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars for these paddock passes. And in IndyCar, it's like anyone can do it. 20 bucks. You wander around. You check stuff out. People come out and sign things. Like, it's fun. It's really nice. You get to see all the cars get, like, set up and everything. If it was F1, you would have, like, a melee in there. So you kind of got to, like... You would be minus a kidney because you would have paid so much for those passes. Yeah, but meaning if F1 was cheaper, everyone would be in there and it would turn into chaos. Oh, of course. Um, but it was it was neat. So it's set up completely differently from F1, you know, because it's a street track and it's not, you know, historic like Monaco. They haven't set everything up around the track. Uh, they actually have the paddock and pit lane disconnected. So they have to, like, wheel the cars out in a parade to the pit wall. Um, and the paddock is in a parking garage, which is kind of interesting. But also nice because it was in the shade. Um, so, yeah, we wandered around all day Friday. Saturday was qualifying. Qualifying is super interesting in IndyCar, too, on the, on the like, street and road courses uh, because they split it into two groups. It gives you more space on the track, which is nice. Um, then they do the top six shootout for the pole position. It's very American. What's the average length of an F1 track, uh, IndyCar track? Um, it depends on what type of What's track. St. Petersburg? St. Pete was only, like... I want to say around a little under two miles. Okay. It was okay. short. I mean, it, so it's almost half of the distance of, or it's a little more than half the distance of an F1 track. Yeah. It's, I mean, say, well, they're all different, but say Australia was like 3.3 miles. Oh yeah. No, no, not even. And I love how I say 3.3 miles. Like I have any concept of a mile. Uh, three miles is 5k approximately. Yeah. Yeah. No. I have a vague concept of a mile, but I'm like, it's 3.3 miles. That's really which is... the only reason I know how long this track was. I, know. I ran a 5k around it and most of the 5k wasn't on the track. Whatever. It's fine. Um, yeah. So qualifying was fun. Uh, 
Will Power qualified first overall and actually broke the track record. And then got sick and could not race. So Simon Pagano started from pole position. Everyone thought Will Power had a concussion, but he didn't. Um, He just had like an inner ear infection. So it was like throwing him off. Uh, oh, I thought he's out with a concussion. Actually, no. Actually, he's sick. He's sick. <laughs> um, so Oriol Serbia drove for him and had to start from the back, which was cool. It was good to see him driving. He's, you know, he's the um, like team principal of Dragon Racing in Formula E, uh, or not maybe not the team principal. He's involved in at like some high level at that team, which is kind of neat. Um, but it was cool. Like all during qualifying, we got to stand on pit row and like watch all the teams do all the things and and. I mean, we basically spent the whole day just wandering back and forth, watching all the teams, all the different like strategies and everything. And people had problems with their cars and it was really cool to see everyone rushing around and everything. Um, so that was fun. The actual race itself, uh, you know, it was, it was exciting in that I had only been to oval racing for Indy. Um, you know, we could only see a certain part of the track. We were on the start finish line. Uh, we got to see a couple of pretty decent overtakes um yeah connor daly led for 15 laps he got points for that i like that they give points for if you lead at least one lap in indy it's neat um but it also means that you know he came in one place behind alexander rossi uh so now they have the same number of points so they're leading the rookie battle uh, over max chilton haha max chilton <laughs> i really enjoyed um when i started watching the broadcast they were like this is an amazing rookie crop we have two guys who've driven in f1 we have the kid who won indie lights and then we have um connor daly who's technically a rookie but he's raced in like six races yeah and most yeah. of them won the indy 500 yep spencer piggott is really good too like he yeah. it was really fun to watch him do stuff now that's the kid that won indie lights yes yep. and he's only got a three race deal at the moment correct or has he got a full season uh, something like that. He's racing yeah. for RL Racing, which is alongside yep. Ray Hall. He doesn't have a full season, as far as I know. Um, other stuff that happened in that race that was really cool uh, in qualifying, it was either qualifying or practice. Uh, Sebastian Bourdais was trying to overtake Mikhail Alation and fucked it up, <laughs> and they almost got in an actual fight after the after the practice. And IndyCar took the clip of that. And turned it into like an indie rivals video on their YouTube. <laughs> I freaking love this series. They take everything so like not. They so have cool. a sense of humor. They do it's beautiful. Um, their edit it. of the race is really good. It's just like four minutes highlights. It's like good music. I'm gonna have to start watching those for races that I don't get to see. Yeah. I look, I've seen half of St. Pete's. I will probably tonight at some point go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. But I've watched like Australia like three times so far. <laughs> yeah, I've already seen it twice. Yeah. So, but it's yeah. nice that Indy puts all. Kind of like I gotta watch it once, and then I gotta watch it a second time to kind of make sure I didn't miss anything, and then I watch it a third time if it's it good. Good. I mean, yeah. uh, we'll get to that. We'll get yeah, to that. Other, just really quickly, other stuff out of IndyCar. Um, a lot of teams today, and actually, just the course of this week, are announcing their Indy 500 liveries, uh, which is fun. There, a lot of them do like one-off liveries for the 500 because it's such a big deal. Um, the Pagano's car, his Team Penske, Menard, Penske, whatever the hell it is. Did you see a picture of that today? Because, oh, my God. Tasky, it, nope. it is literally highlighter yellow. Like, you know when you is it like, is it like Renault Banana highlighter no, yellow? No, 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 no. It is like neon yellowish green highlighter yellow. It is, it's so beautiful. I want to cry. Like, it's, it's amazing. Um, I, uh, we'll have to look, we're going to have to talk about the Renault livery when we get to F1, but... 
I can do a highlighter yellow. Okay. It's so bright and so highlightery that they. So it makes like it, it makes the Helio submarine look pale in comparison. Yeah, it it was to the point where they they like took the cover off of it, and the highlighter color was like reflecting onto their race suits. Like, <laughs> it's good. It's really good. Um, uh, the 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 amazing Menard's Day Glow IndyCar livery. Yes, it's really fantastic. Um, other stuff. There's an Australian team competing in the Indy 500, apparently. Yeah, Maddie Brabham's driving for them. Oh, good old Maddie Brabham. Maddie Brabham, who was driving a stadium super truck in that thing during uh, St. Pete, which was fantastic. One of the support series. I don't know if you've seen these before. Uh, no. It's called Stadium Super Trucks, and literally they set up jumps on the, the course. Holy hell, this is oh yellow. God. Yes, it's beautiful. Also, oh, wow. It's like, I feel like my eyes are sore just looking. Oh, this is amazing. You're not going to lose that car. <laughs> You're yeah. absolutely not going to lose that car, which is super nice. That's very, very, very yellow. It's actually so yellow that you can't even make out, like, a lot of the shape of the car because it's just so reflective that everything kind of merges together. Yep. Oh, I like that. I Good love work. it so much. <laughs> what, is, what is Maynard's? It's a, it's like a Home Depot kind of okay. – I think you can also buy fishing stuff there. I went to one in Missouri one time. It was not a <laughs> – I went to one in Missouri. Okay, that gives me a good idea of what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah basically. It's like – it's kind of like Bass Pro Shops in Home Depot had a baby. And- <laughs> Pro Bass Shops. Pro Bass Shops, they crack me up. It's, okay. It's it's a thing. It's a um, thing. Okay. The sweet. last car thing that happened this week is that uh, Ed Carpenter Racing announced that they're going to have a third car in the Indy 500, and J.R. Hildebrand is going to drive it. Team America. Excellent. I love it. Team America. Excellent. Yeah. So Australia. Australia. Okay. So you know how we were all grumpy with F1, and we were like, "Uh, Indy car is amazing, and F1 is just uh." That was me and, you know, for the last like three months. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we were all like, oh, just like, and then the race started and the race happened and we were like, oh, my God, I love this sport. (laughs) I was sitting there at the end of the race and I was like, we want to be all like, oh, you know, like it's just like F1 is just like, and then this race happens and the season starts again and you remember all the good things that you loved about F1. One thing that wasn't good about F1, let's start with qualifying. (laughs) The qualifying, I look, I had hope for qualifying. Qualifying sounded kind of like something that I could get behind. In theory, it sounds kind of cool, you know, like knockout, yada, yada. And then you watched it and you were like, this is shit. Yes, it was garbage. I mean, the fact that like there were no cars out with five minutes left to go and no one even tried. I, look, I understand where the difficulty is when it comes to, like, if someone starts a lap before the 90 seconds and then the timings and all of that and then having that, like, every 90 seconds could get a bit messy. But I was just like, this like, – like, I had such high expectations and I just got less and they're like, oh. And then it gets the last five minutes and Ferrari don't go anywhere and there's two and a half minutes left and there's no one on the track and you're just like, "What's the well – this blue and I thought 
that they would maybe have a think about it, change some of the rules a bit, have another crack. No, <laughs> one and done, boot over. I was like, I'm not going to okay. see that again. Thank God. You know what the problem was too is that like obviously you know you need approximately a certain amount of time to get around the track and you want to cut it as close as possible, but there's no way to do an outlap and then also do no. a regular lap. You like, can't do an outlap and a flyer. Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of dumb. There was, I mean, and it didn't make anything exciting. It's not like anyone was in crazy spots on the grid anyway. Yeah. I mean, Fiat came, uh, Fiat was uh, 18th, which yeah. is like, But yeah. I mean, that's more of a, but Fiat had, that's Fiat more of a quality had of like, you fucked up the qualifying than like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was dumb. I, nothing was, look, the Manners were the first ones out. They ah. were followed by what, the Renaults? No, yes. Can't remember. This is what happens when I don't bring my notebook. It's all written in there. I have like this chart and it has everyone's finishing times and their orders and their positions. Oh, yeah, no, it was the Haas cars. The Haas cars were 1920, which was why it was amazing that Rogro ended up where he was. So I watched the F1 on NBC. Yes. Normally, NBC chart starts five minutes before the race. NBC started a full hour before the race and it took them. 38 minutes to start talking about Haas. I was <laughs> so proud of them because I was fully tuning in. I was waiting for like the Haas F1 NBC show. Yeah. And it took them 38 minutes to do a feature on America's team. I was so, I loved it. So funny. done a whole hour long program before. Yeah. yeah no, no. I, I know that. I, I, I know. I know that. Bless Odin produced an amazing hour long show. But it was just like. <laughs> This was the, the pre-broadcast for the race where America's team made its debut. And it took them 38 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, listen, well done, NBC. Way to give some good coverage and some fair coverage before you just, like, got out the American flags and started waving. NBC, we're not England. Oh, my God. NBC, <laughs> every ad is for Rio. I know that, that Gabby Douglas... uh it wants to be a tiger in, in Rio. And I know that, like... <laughs> like, Rio, what? Are you kidding? I saw 20... Like, they showed the same, like, three ads. I know. Every it's, ad it race was, for two it was, and a no, half hours. It was the IndyCar Phoenix race, and it was Bruins Rangers Wednesday Night Rivalry Night. Those are the three commercials that I saw, like, 18 billion I times. think maybe, because I was watching on the online feed, we get different ads, because I saw literally the same three Rio ads every ad break, and sometimes back-to-back in the same ad break. And I was just yeah. like, thanks. Good work, guys. I mean, it's fine. I love their coverage, though. Like, their their announcers are fantastic. They're They're relatively unbiased compared to, you know... Yeah, Britain, yeah. rah rah rah, sky yeah, sports yeah. stuff. Look, I, 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 NBC is growing on me. Mm-hmm. They, as a broadcaster, they, they are growing on me. Uh, particularly because I, I watch a lot of it when I watch it live. Um, sky Sports is growing less on me. I'm looking forward to watching some C4 races. Yeah, and yeah. Um, seeing how they go. because uh, I really just want to watch Susie Wolf and Mark Rubber. <laughs> I'm like, I signed up for this. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's but fair. um, yes, qualifying was shit. We got rid of it. Did you happen to see Toto Wolf's interview after qualifying? No, I did not. I did. It was glorious. Basically, he was trying not to be Nicky Lauda, oh. but he really just was like, "Like, so Toto, what do you think of this qualifying?" And Toto's response was paraphrase along the lines of, 
something like, well, I, I like not to comment. Um, I like not to comment about decisions the FIA have made and that we've all endorsed, but uh, this was rubbish. Yeah. And basically, he had this feel, and I just expected him to, like, pull his glasses off and mic drop and walk away because it's basically what he did. I also think he got new glasses this season, and I'm fully on board with them. Ooh. I mean, that's cool. That's fine. <laughs> total I live a total wolf and Maurizio Arriva Bene appreciation life over here. Yeah, did you see his reactions after the race start when uh, Ferrari did what they did? Because My favorite Maurizio reaction was his reaction when Kimmy's car caught on fire because he's like, <laughs> and Kimmy's just like, something's on fire. And everyone's like, we know, yeah. we can see. Yeah, that was I enjoyed the fact you will never not know what Maurizio Rivabene is feeling because right. it is written all over him. Like he couldn't be more Italian if he tried. He is basically, if you took the two like people that were the most different in the entire world, it would be Kimmy and Maurizio Rivabene. Like yeah. it's pretty magical how much they are not like each other. One of the, um, there's one of the, um, <coughs> If one have a behind the scenes video of like their filming day and it's all these guys being silly and then the one clip of Kimmy is just Kimmy looking at a camera and like shrugging his shoulders. It's like, you know what? I I reckon the hard one of the the hardest job in the paddock is being Kimmy Raikkonen's PR person. Why? He never says anything. Yeah, but that's also a problem in PR. Because <laughs> you spend your whole time probably like negotiating with him to say something. <laughs> Yeah. Like I need you to do this interview. No, but I, I. <sighs> no, yeah, no. That's- like I deal with athletes, and I'm super lucky. I, I need you to do this interview. Okay, Saski, no problem. I need you to think about these things for when you're answering in the interview. No problem, Saski, no problem. Kimmy, no, nah, not doing it. No, 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 no. Well, I think that maybe like, I'm not going to do this interview. Blah blah blah. blah, yeah, yeah. blah. So qualifying. Yeah. And then we have the reality and the kind of gap between of all these ridiculous changes that have been made for this season. And not like good changes, like the new tire rule changes. I like those. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that one too. Add a little bit of variety to it. Mm-hmm. I did not like the um, the radio rules. I, and I think they were relaxed after qualifying. No one like, I don't understand. With, the thing I don't understand with the FIA is that you have had two weeks of testing. To figure this shit out. You feel like they could have been like, okay, guys, after the last day of testing on this thing, we're going to run a practice session. We're going to run a fake qualifying just to make sure this all works, right? So mm-hmm. get your strategies out. We're going to, this is how it's going to do. We're going to run it one. We're going to run a fake qualifying here. Boom. Done. No, no. We're going to wait till we get to the actual season in front of actual paying fans on global television and then we're gonna realize the idea was shit yeah yeah sounds about right oh and we're also gonna ban tear off visors being thrown out of the car which does not make sense i mean i understand the logic because i think alonzo's brakes failed or something failed last year because and they found it was because a visor strip had got in the car but like they're like, oh, well, you'll just have to put it in the car. Yeah, because an F1 car has a glove box for that shit. Yeah, right? Like, what? I, I just, if you're going to try to fix the series, like, that is not, it's not a very yeah. priority thing. Like, that's kind of dumb. Yeah. yeah. So, know. that rule has been put on hold till I think, Spain. 
the 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 radio rules have been relaxed because they realized that well like you heard this obviously when you were watching the race lewis hamilton asked them how to turn the alarm off that was going off in his car and they were like sorry can't help yeah yeah i i'm sorry let's drive 300 kilometers an hour for another hour and a half with an alarm going off you know what considering it was lewis fine fine let him look as much as i want to be like as much as my slogan for this year is a b h anyone but hamilton i still like it's annoying right like the rule seems a little bit stupid yeah yeah absolutely or a lot bit stupid a lot of bit stupid really but actually speaking of the radio rules did you hear that um apparently rosberg's brakes almost failed they were like very close to retiring his car um and they did not tell him over the radio that he had a brake problem. He ended up being able to manage it himself and won the race, obviously. See, see, that's what they want. But there's kind of like, there's a, there's a, it's it's probably really hard to strike that medium line yeah, yeah. when it comes to what's too much, what's enough. Because obviously we don't want them telling drivers how to drive, right? But you're talking about something with 200 plus settings and options and menus. Do you remember last year where they told him, um, to uh to uh find some setting under some sub menu. He's like, there's legitimately nothing here. And they're like, oh well, we don't know where it is then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See that's uh, that's there's so much. I But let's talk about the race. Yeah. It was really good. Oh my god. So the stream I was watching on was about five like 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 maybe twenty, thirty seconds, if not a minute, ahead of behind the, the the race so i open up my twitter and it just shows oh my god that start and i'm like turn away <laughs> and waiting 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 and the start happened and and um, a girlfriend of mine who i was watching it with and i said they were like oh my god did that just happen did we just see that is there two ferraris in the lead oh my god what a, what do we do I don't know how to feel. What are these? What do I do with my hands? I just, I don't. What? I don't know. There's, there's, there's the McLaren is the McLaren. The McLaren's are nowhere near the front. The yeah. Mercedes are out the front, and and it's not even it's not even one of them. It's both of them. Oh my god! This is awesome. Seventh, like just lots of yelling. It was a good time. How um, good was that start, though? Oh, oh, it was incredible. It was incredible. I just went and watched the start like half a dozen times. Yeah. Honestly, I wonder. I wonder how much. They all got thrown off by having to do another, like, setup lap because Kvyat's car died. I mean, yeah, but that's happened. Like, that happens on a semi-regular basis. Like, you still go through the same processes. I mean, I love the part in the first lap. They were like, the commentators were like, well, Ferrari was sandbagging and qualifying. You're like, <laughs> I mean... Uh, maybe not maybe who knows um i do i did like at one point during the coverage uh one of the nbc guys was like looks like we have a championship on our hands and i was like oh god maybe we do- oh yeah yeah you're like uh excuse me mate uh we're like like 20 laps not even that into the first race of the season yeah. let's hold our horses and, and the top four still include two mercedes so let's just and that's the thing. Someone said, how do I explain to someone who slept through the race that Mercedes were one, two, and Ferrari was three, and it was an amazing race full of lots of stuff? Because that's the same outcome we've been seeing yeah. all last year. You know, Lewis Hamilton was in the top two for 16 races last year. Yeah. Well, top three for 16 races last year. Like, 
And the four of and the four races where he wasn't, I think his car died in all four of them. Um, there was one where it didn't. There was I one think there was one, one where something happened, yeah. like something went awry. But still. Yeah. Um it, it makes was me hopeful for this season though. Because like that definitely wasn't that's not uh, you know, normal. Australia is not a track known for overtaking, and we still got a hella exciting race. Mm-hmm. That being said, crash, red flag, starting again, compressing the grid helps with those kind of situations. Yep. It also hurt a couple of drivers. I mean, Pascal Verline was running up in 14th, like a manner in 14th. Out of- I was like, you like, it hurt a couple of drivers, and then you went Pascal Verline. I was like, look, bro, bro, <laughs> he drives from Atlanta. It can't have hurt that much. Right, right. You know what, though? I mean, this kid's good. Look, you still, are you still Manus, are you still Manus sick and biggest fan? No, or are you, like, rejigging that? Right, no, because when you sign into Blab, it still pulls you that. And I'm like, mm. Oh, I got to change that. I got to change that. Listen, I am so salty at what they did this year that, no, I am not. I am not even close. I'm, like, Manus' number one biggest hater now. That's not true. <laughs> I'm the Bonneville Salt Flats of Mana fans. Salt Flats. I just don't like Rio Harianto. I don't like the entire country of Indonesia, all right? I'm not okay with this. And I don't care. Why? Because because the country of Indonesia helped buy him a drive? Yeah, helped. They bankrolled his whole drive. They they yeah. So 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 basically we get rid of we get rid of Pastor Maldonado and we replace him with Rio Harianto. Yep. Yep. Except, except no one is under the illusion that Rio Ranto may be good. No. Well, I'm- Pascal Maldonado won a race somewhere, which gave everyone else a false impression of his actual skill set. Right. He won the Spain Grand Prix in 2012, I believe, right? Yeah. Spain, China, one of them. Maybe Spain. It no, it wasn't China because that was uh, Nico won it that year. That was Nico's first win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, yes, Rio Harianto sucks. I'll fight the entire yeah. country of Indonesia. World War Three, Sarah Connors versus the entire country of Indonesia. <laughs> Bring it on. I'll fight it. I love when they were like, the driver of the day is Romain Grosjean. We had to invalidate some votes. And they <laughs> all for Rio Harianto. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That's so- like, you can't, yeah. I can't be the driver of the day when he doesn't let pass like the 15th lap because it's kind of All he did all weekend was drive into Romain Grosjean at five miles an hour. Okay, okay. Now watching that, it was I his fault. It, I was I like, "I'm salty." Like, ah, look, I can't buy that. This is completely Rio Harianto's fault. Grosjean was going up the pit lane. Rio pulled out of his garage and pulled right into him. Like that was oh, really Rio. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I watched it, and I think I had it the other way around. I thought it was Rogro at the front oh, pulling no, no. out. Okay. No, no. yeah. No. Look, the cars look a no. little bit similar. The cars are a little bit similar. No, they're not. Are you kidding me? There's no blue on the mouth. Get out of here, Sasky. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> I was like, mm. I will turn into a sparkly bald eagle and fly through this screen and punch you in the face. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not letting you over the border. Oh, they do all the time. They love me in Canada. It's actually, speaking of border, here's a good story for you. Oh, God. <laughs> the Ethiopian government took my passport off me on my way back into Canada and told me I wasn't legally allowed to get on the plane because I wasn't allowed to fly to Canada. What? You don't know fear until you have stood in the middle of the Ethiopian Addis Ababa airport without your passport <laughs> and someone walks away with it. 
how, like, what, what did you do? Did you just. I was like, I have a work visa. I'm like, your work visa says it's not valid for re-entry into the country. You need an actual visa to get into the country. I'm like, but I'm Australian. They just let us in. <laughs> and she was like, well, I'm, I doubt that. She walked up and like 20 minutes later, she reappears with my passport and is like, actually, you don't need one. Australia had a reciprocal agreement. It's like, yes. I know. Give me my goddamn passport back. I'm having panic attacks. That's kind of horrifying, and I'm glad you made it home with it. I, like, followed this person through the airport. Like, I've got, like, my wheelie bag and a backpack, and I'm, like, trailing this Ethiopian Airlines employee through a terminal. I'm like, I can see my passport. I'm following you. But I made it home. I got home. I watched the race. Alonso's crash was potentially with the most... I feel like Fernando Alonso's crash was the most horrifying crash I've ever seen. But yes, well, but but it wasn't horrifying because by the time you saw it on television, he was already out of the car. So you watch the crash and you're horrified by the crash, but you're horrified already knowing he's out of the car and okay. It was more the visuals of the broken car that were horrible. The visuals of the car, the flipping through the air, the actual crash itself is horrifying. If you were just viewing the crash, like, like they, they actually reference and they reference Martin Brundle flipping at that same corner. I think he had a crash with David Coulthard and then they referenced uh, Weber's flipping the car in Valencia as like comparable like so actually that martin brundle crash is the opening scene of the documentary uh i think it's called one which is all yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. so that's yeah it looked exactly like that um if you look at it again so when i watched it the second time i uh like made sure to look because i wanted to see if you could see alonzo getting out of his car at all and you can actually um that first scene where, like, the Haas car kind of, like, skids to a stop. Yeah. Alonzo is already, like, pushing his way out of the chassis. And, yeah. like, yeah. he's up against and, the- and that's the thing. Like, you saw, you saw the Haas car. And they're like, oh, it's Roman. No, it's Esteban Gutierrez. And, oh, my God. And that's when you. That's another it, car. And you're like, that's another car. It looks like a trash can. It just looked yeah. like, I mean, Grant yeah. McLaren jokes about trash cans aside. It's a tra- uh, it looks like a trash can. It's just a mess of... But by the time they realize that there's another car there, you already see Fernando Alonso yeah. out of the car. So your panic is instantly, you're like, oh, well, he's okay. Like, yeah. like he's okay. You're not waiting that, like... Like, like last year when... I think the worst one I saw last season was that Carlos Sainz crash where he went under the barrier and then sat in the car for, like, 10 minutes. And he had, like, broken, I think he'd broken, like, the radio system. And there's a quote from him, which I saw the other day. And he says, in the time between the crash and when he got out of the car, his father had already booked a flight from Spain to Sochi. Oh, shit. I think, and, and, and I like, I, I don't know if he was joking or, or, like, that was an actual thing, but I was, like, like, he sat in that car for nearly, like, 15 minutes, I think, because they couldn't get the tyre barriers off him. Yeah, so he spent yeah. 15 minutes being, like, oh, is this, like, what's that? Okay. But, like, look, I, it's, everyone keeps saying that, like, 10 years ago, Fernando Alonso would be dead with that crash. I think it's, like, when you looked at that car, that car was decimated except for that main body pop. Yeah, the, the the like main chassis. Yeah, that, yeah, that. and and that was perfectly intact. 
mm-hmm. like the, the central core. And so you're like, holy hell, like that is an amazing feat of construction. Also, Everything else is decimated. It also really makes you realize like how small that piece of the car is and how much is built around it. Like mm-hmm. it's just made out of that like flimsy carbon fiber shit. Yeah. It also makes you appreciate how big a balls you have to have to do this. Like, I mean, like, I, that's the thing. Like, we, we, uh, I mean, maybe more so in the last year or two, but I mean, I think for a little while there, people got a little bit complacent with our concept of just how dangerous F1 was. Yeah. Yeah. Because it had been so long since there'd been, you know, serious stuff. And the stuff that had happened had been like freakishly accidental. A spring came off the car and clocked Felipe Massa in the head. Like, that was like freakish, 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 you know, yada, yada, yada. But like, it's been brought home obviously a couple of times in the last couple of years, but I mean, that was insane. It was, it was great to see him come out of it. It was great to see his sense of humor afterwards. Um, that photo of him, like reading the paper, which yeah. got him on the front of it. I laughed so hard. I was like, oh, Fernando Alonso, you little Spanish lion. Uh, <laughs> he's great. He's fantastic. I'm so glad he's okay. It was really nice to see Gutierrez immediately rush over to him as soon as. Okay. Came. Esteban Gutierrez is, like I, there's a little spot in my heart for him that has grown over this past weekend for several reasons. That he was showing, he's like, I'm just checking on him. I've got him. I'm man hugging him. Secondly, he turned up to Australia with not one but two eyebrows. He did. You're right. There's like <laughs> someone did something about it. I was worried for for a little while. There. And he's just and, and he just seems so earnest. Yeah. He just he just wants to race cars and be Did friends you, with people and you're like, no. Any of the Haas documentary? No, I, I I I do need to go and watch it. So it was it was actually really interesting to see how like the team worked and how like he was very much like pushing back in terms of like what he needed out of the car and what he needed out of his engineers. Um there's a point where he and Grosjean actually they're not really arguing per se. They're it's more like a debate. You know, they're they're debating over, you know, certain setups and certain like things that need to happen. And I think they were at testing and um, they had lost a whole day of testing at one point because of car problems. And Rogro drove until like two 30 in the afternoon and gave Gutierrez like a couple hours of his testing day. And Gutierrez was talking about how like, Oh, he didn't have enough time and blah, blah, blah. And it was just really interesting to see how the team managed the two of them in a room together um, and it was all on camera. It was all really, you know, open. And, and um, it's really cool to see him be so passionate about, you know, getting yeah. stuff right. But it's also cool to kind of see that it, like, see that kind of inside dynamic that you yeah. probably don't normally see when you're talking about um, teams. Because a lot of teams, unlike Haas, don't need to show you that because they're established. You know, Haas is kind of I, – I, I, Haas has me kind of excited. Because they're new, they're American, and they kind of come from that NASCAR, IndyCar mentality of how some of these things have been done mm-hmm. as far as our access, publicity kind of aspect of things. Yeah, definitely. You know, because, because there is a really American style of, of covering sport that is really different to European. So I'm really kind of interested to see how that influences like what we get, see and access in that. And it makes, it makes me excited. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also really like they interact a lot with Circuit of the Americas on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, right. the Coda account is solid gold. I love the Coda Twitter. They're so great. Everyone loves the Coda Twitter. Time to make the tweets. Time to make the tweets. Every day. Every goddamn day. Um, speaking of Haas, Grosjean, at the end of that race, came in sixth. Who would have imagined? 
his was literally the greatest thing I've ever heard, including the part where his engineer came on the radio and was hella American and called him dude. And I just, I wept a little bit. I was like, America is here. We were there here. was a couple of points I listened to his race engineers and I was like, whoa, way to America, mate. Good work. Yep. yep. I also really liked that before the race, Gene Haas actually came out and did like a five minute interview with NBC and was yeah. talking about how nervous he was and was just like super open about everything. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I just, let's just get started. Let's have some laps. Let's just, you know, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 like, yeah. it worked out. Maybe, maybe this team will actually, you know, maybe, what if we see a Haas win this year? Saski, I will melt down if I hear the American national anthem during an F1 race. I will actually have a meltdown. We'll be like, has someone checked on Sarah? Excuse me, I'm just laying in a puddle of American tears. I can't. Um, maybe, not this year. maybe not this year, but in the next year or two or three, I, I reckon we'll see one. I hope so. I hope for your sake it's at the U.S. Grand Prix. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I mean, I've already seen Rogro on the podium there. It would be cool to see him. Yeah, but but we're not talking about Rogro. We're talking about the American flag. That's true, but he's... Circuit and circuit the American Twitter account will just be like, don't know what to do with this. peaked. (laughs) And we peaked. Peace out, guys. It's been fun. (laughs) Boom. Yep, yep. You know, okay. You it was know what? What? Sorry. You know ahead. what my other highlight of the race, and this is probably a good note for us to kind of wrap up the F1 uh, recap of Australia. Max versus Carlos oh, is the God. new bitchier, brattier, surlier Lewis versus Nico. I would absolutely go with brattier because they're like tiny children arguing over something stupid. Well, and it's like, it's like, Max, oh, it's entirely Max, is, Max too. It, pardon? It's entirely Max. It's entirely Max Verstappen. Because Max is like, I want, I like, here's the thing. Max is asking them to get him to switch with Carlos, right? Mm-hmm. Last year, they asked him to switch with Carlos and he wouldn't do it. Right. So what makes, and, 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 but the funny part was, I think it was, I think it was Sky because um, I rewatched the, the rewatching broadcast I have is the Sky broadcast. They're like, Carlos can't let him through. This is just, this is the, the thing of his career. If he lets Max Verstappen pass, like, that's it. He's done. That's the end of his, his, his time with Toro Rosso. And I'm like, wow, way to, like, extrapolate the world ending. No kidding. Well, like, that's for you. Good work, Sky. <laughs> but I love the part where every time, like, Max got angry about something, they pan back to his father in the garage. And I'm like, <laughs> Like, this is the angriest looking man going around. Like, I, Josh Verstappen makes me deeply uncomfortable. And all of their pans back to Josh Verstappen make me even more unco- uncomfortable. But, you know, someone was like, someone's, someone's comment was like, so are we going to have to separate them? And then we went to, like, obviously at the end of the race um, in the, the press, they, they asked Carlos about it. And he was like, the most diplomatic media relations answer ever. He's like, I just went out and I raced my race. And if he wants to get past me, well, I will do what the team tell me. But if he wants to get past me, he can get past me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Carlos Sainz. I like him. I like him. I like Carlos Sainz. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Carlos Sainz. Um, I really hope he does well this year because obviously um, uh, Helmut Marco is like, well, whoever doesn't do well gets kicked out. 
But you also know the fact that Max Verstappen is like eyeing off seats for next year. He doesn't want to be a Toro Rosso for a third season. Like he's already trying to sign his own checks out of that joint. Like, yeah. Yeah. He you wants know, to be you know what, being you know, number one driver. You know what I really liked also was uh, when Verstappen was in fourth and Lewis Hamilton was trying to get by him and you heard Lewis come over the radio and he was just like, I can't get by this guy. I was kind of like, oh, you know what, Lewis? That sounds like a you problem. <laughs> oh, Lewis, where we are. That's so sad. You can't, this isn't Nico Rosberg in front of you. You can't yell at the team to make him move over. You got to actually do the work here, buddy. Yeah, yeah. y'all got to get around him. But as, look, as RJ just pointed out to us, the real winner in Max versus Carlos is all of us. Because, oh, because the more they talk about Max versus Carlos, the less we have to hear about Nico versus Lewis. I mean, there was no Nico versus Lewis in this race after that first corner. No. At which, at which Nico did to Lewis what Lewis did to Nico at Coda last year, and I was pleased as hell about it. I'm really happy that Rosberg is not, he's not really giving a shit this year about Lewis, about anything. He just is going out there doing things. It's hey, good. Go, go, uh, yeah, people are like, oh, he didn't, uh, he, he, he's like, uh, he didn't seem, um, like, oh, like, Nico doesn't seem, like, as competitively driven as Lewis this year. I was like, bro, they're different people. They have different personalities. Like, this is how they roll. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, Kimi Raikkonen doesn't seem as competitive with Sebastian Vettel because they're not aggressively in each other's faces. You've got the happiest fake German ever <laughs> and the guy that doesn't speak. Like, people seem to remember, like, seem, people seem to forget that, like, not everyone deals with competition and things like that in the same way. So, like, Nico is, like, that's not his that's not his jam. Just, like, let him do his thing. I'm also really happy that Lewis didn't pitch a fit about that that first corner. Uh, in fact, you know, I actually only watched the podium the second time I watched the race. Uh, and it was actually really nice to see him not sulking coming in second. And actually, like, standing and listening to the interviews and paying attention and hugging Nico and whatnot. It was... Oh, no. I'm so done with this. But, oh, my God. We can't can't finish F1 without two points. One, Sebastian Mitchell throwing the hat at Lewis. Excellent. Solid gold. Excellent. Loved it. Also, Lewis and Sebastian dumping champagne on their hated teammates. Mark Webber did the podium. <laughs> I was like, look, come on. You gotta say it. You gotta say it. I'm waiting for you to say it. <laughs> yeah, actually, Weber's I love that text message. Really, really good. Um, I was Pardon? very happy with that. Uh, it was really funny to see them in tandem dump champagne over Nico and, and Mark. <laughs> I, look, I really enjoyed the podium interviews because obviously Mark were a fan. But, but, I, but I, I did, they were funny. They asked relevant questions about actual racing. They weren't like, you know, ba da ba da ba da ba da. But I loved most of all my text message to you because I think you'd gone to bed because it was like 3 oh, yeah. 30 in the morning. I, and I messaged you and was like, I didn't Mark Webber the first time is doing the podium. I legitimately have reasons to talk about him. And you were just like, I hate everything. <laughs> well, yes. every time someone needs to, you know how on the Steve Dangle podcast, I clock in like whenever he starts talking about the Bruins. Yeah. Basically, that's you with Mark Weber. Look, I at least made both of my Mark Weber mentions today relevant and non-far reaching. For once. 
I love you, Sasuke. No, you don't. You love me because I edit our podcast so you don't have to. That's the only reason you love me. I mean, maybe. Start talking about Effie. Effie is coming up this weekend. Tell me about Long Beach. Yeah, no, it's next weekend. Or a week a week this Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Like um, so Mexico was a couple weeks ago. Um it was actually the same weekend as St. Pete. And uh they ran the race on part of the F one track. It was really cool. Um Jerome D'Ambrosio won because Lucas Degrassi got disqualified for his car being too too light. <laughs> and actually Degrassi is like challenging for the championship, so it was actually really not great for him. Um so Long Beach should be interesting. Um, you know, Buemi is kind of running away with things right now, so it'd be nice to see someone challenge for that. Uh, Nelson PK won last year. I'm really glad we've gotten to the point in this sport where we can actually talk about what happened last year on these tracks. Uh, I think the podium last year was PK, John Eric Byrne, and Lucas Degrassi came third. So, you know, they're all very happy with this track. They're all, you know, have good memories from it. So hopefully they come back and then do some cool stuff. Um, yeah, we'll be headed down there Thursday night next week. And I'm super pumped. I mean, that's basically it. It's a great track. The weather's going to Cal- be... I was about to say California. And I was like, is that where it is? Yeah, Long Beach, California. Pacific Ocean. I'll have dipped my feet in both oceans in the same month. Hell yes. I was about to say, like, in your lifetime. But I was like, didn't you go to the beach last time you went to California? Same month. Yeah, no, but I was in St. Pete last week, so. And we went to the beach. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yes. It's going to be fun. RJ is suggesting that there should be a Dragon Andretti 1-2-3 lockout, and I would be totally great with that. America. <laughs> but probably not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> is still running last I feel year. like your philosophy of everything is if it is America or it's good. I'm going to cheer for it if it's American. That's basically my philosophy in life. If you haven't realized that at this point in our friendship, I don't know what to do with you anymore. But yeah, that's where we're at. Uh, it should be fun. I'm excited. Um, and that's Formula E, pretty much. <laughs> Your summary's like, here's three lines. Done. I don't know. I'm excited. I, I, there's still not a whole lot to analyze about it. Yeah, I'm so we talked about, we talked about IndyCar. Yeah. We talked about F1. Talk about FE. I think now is an excellent time to let you talk to Jenny Gao about all the stuff that we talked to her about like three weeks ago because we've been really slack and haven't recorded since. Yeah, let's do this. We've been doing this podcast for about a year uh, and you're really our first kind of guest that isn't already a friend of ours, which is pretty cool. (laughs) That's cool. Um, so I guess we can just get right into this. Um, how actually did you get into motorsports when you were a kid? It's a, it's a bit of a strange one because neither of my parents liked motorsport at all. In fact, they weren't into sports in general. Um, so I wanted to be in journalism and sports journalism is kind of the way I went. Um, and then I was working down at a local radio station and I was the host of the breakfast show. And one day this guy came up and said, oh, we've, we've done a deal with the Speedway. Can you go down on a Friday and uh, you can kind of host the Speedway for me? <laughs> I went down uh, on a really cold, wet Friday evening to this really kind of dirty, sandy environment that's Speedway. And I loved it. <laughs> it was so cool. Um, and that was me hooked. So from there I did 
kind of loads of different motorsports. I was just really lucky. Um, I did a bit of uh, speedway, then rally, rally cross, um, world superbike, MotoGP, um, and you kind of name it, I've done it. And then Formula One and Formula E. Awesome. Yeah. So speaking of Formula E, I went to a race last year and we're really loving it. It's so much fun. Um, what are your thoughts on it? How how fun is it to cover kind of from the journalism perspective as opposed it's, to Formula One? I mean, Formula E is really good. Um, it's very different from covering something like Formula One because it's not established. So you don't have those set routes and regimes of doing things. So there's a lot more kind of openness to the environment and a lot more willingness for the teams to interact with you and tell you what they're doing how they want to operate um kind of giving you a bit more insight into the running of the team so with regards to access for fans for journalists for all of us i think it's a really good opportunity to start with a clean slate and say this is how we're going to do it and we want to interact and we want to be able to communicate with the fans as well yeah it's been really great especially you know the fact that they're trying to grow it through social media um you know, it's really easy and accessible for those of us who can't get to every race. Um, even though I think um, the TV coverage has been a little bit of a struggle over here, I know, just because the the channel that they're trying to put it on is it's Fox Sports too. So not everyone gets that, which is kind of annoying. But um, I know it's only season two, but are some of the teams starting to kind of diverge in how they do things or... Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, it's clear that uh, the EDAMS Renault team has had a lot of investment over the winter and they're really starting to concentrate on how they do things and why they do things. Um, and I think a, a lot of the teams are thinking ahead. The first year it was kind of like, OK, well, let's see how this goes. Mm -hmm. Let's experiment a little bit and, and dip our toe in the water so to speak. And I think now a lot of the team has realized they want to take this seriously and be taken seriously. So with the big Renault cash coming in, it's forcing, I think, the other um, teams to start to look at what they're doing, how they're marketing, um, the drivers that they have as well within their teams. Um, and I think, you know, we've we've seen with the, the big Oscars win from Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. already, every <laughs> Formula One team has jumped on the back of it. And certainly, you know, Venturi, the team that he's involved in, um, Richard Branson and the, the chiefs of Formula E have all said, you know, this this is the time. This is the time for Formula E and Jaguar coming on board as well. It's a, it's a really exciting time for the series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that Oscar win last night was pretty fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> we all thought the same. <laughs> um, so I guess related to that whole marketing of drivers and whatnot, you know, obviously on this podcast we cover uh, women in motorsport a lot. Um, how important do you think it is for uh, Formula One to be Silvestro, you know, and Andretti? I think having serious female drivers not just making up the numbers and I mean no disrespect to anybody else who's been before and who is to come but serious drivers who can compete alongside their male equivalents it is really important to the series we all know um Simona has amazing talent and pedigree that she can bring to Formula E um she needs to start demonstrating it on track um she needs to start scoring points on a regular basis to really 
prove to people, I suppose, to prove to those doubters, and we know there are lots of them, mm -hmm. um, that she's good enough to be there. Um, but we, we need to, I mean, it's a great series for females to, to try out single seater international racing and see if they've got what it takes and, and they need somewhere for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think probably this season with Andretti's powertrain still being the season one, one, that's not really, it's not really going to be easy, but yeah, I yeah. don't know. It's, it's been great to have her in there. Honestly, um, I don't know if you saw Pippa Mann wrote a letter to the editor for, I believe it was Motorsport Magazine, where she talked about how uh, Bernie Eccleston had brought up the whole idea of a women's um, just championship. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Whether yes or no, or I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm a big anti-women's championship <laughs> person. Um, <laughs> I can't think of anything that would do us less favors and less justice than being in a little side box um, and being in essence the sideshow if women I understand that we need more opportunities for women to come through and succeed um, however if we aren't competing on a like-for-like -like basis in the same car with the same competition why how are we going to succeed right. as women as drivers so I think it just needs more women to get involved when they're girls so that they don't drop out at 16. Yeah. Because the dropout rate at that point is massive. And if we can start to progress these girls through from karting through to single seater, GP2, up to Formula One, that's the way to go. It has to be. But we've got to see someone coming into GP3 or GP2 and actually being able to start winning races. Otherwise, we're just there making up numbers still, which is important, but not as important as having someone there really challenging. Right. I think I'm hoping that um, with Tatiana Calderon being in GP3, that maybe that'll start to translate this year. So we're all crossing our fingers. I, I think know, seriously. there's a lot, lot of expectation on her shoulders because mm -hmm. everybody realizes she is very talented and we just need one. I know, seriously. It will be a domino effect. As soon as we get one really good, talented female in there, it will open the doorway for so many more. Mm -hmm. Do you think um, Susie Wolf's new organization will help with that at all? Or Yeah, definitely. She has a vast experience of what it's like to get into motorsport, to be in motorsport, to stay in motorsport, which is pretty tough in its own right. Um, and, you know, she has a lot of very important people who will listen to her. Any organization like that, where it's encouraging, especially young girls to start getting into motorsport can only be a good thing in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, OK, so a quick thing, quick couple things on Formula One, I guess. Uh, what are your thoughts on the new qualifying format? Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a great believer that nothing in formula one happens by mistake um bernie eccleston the boss he kind of does everything for a reason it mm -hmm. just might be that you don't know what the reason is at the time and i'm sure this is part of a bigger picture i mean to come out uh, less than a month before the season starts and go oh by the way right. we've had a little rethink and we've come up with a way of doing qualifying we can't do it for the first few races because we don't actually have the technology to make it translatable on TV. Um, but we're going to give it a go in Spain. I'm just, it, it's a very strange thing to come out and say. Yeah. And I'm sure that 
the the amount of brain power in F1 is extraordinary. How have they got into this pickle? There must be a reason for it. All will be revealed, I'm sure, as right. Benny <laughs> say moves on through the season. Sure. Um, so uh, after testing now, um, are we just expecting Mercedes to dominate again this year? Or pretty much. Well, I, I've just been looking at the charts of how many laps everybody has done, and it is pretty scary. Um, let me just get my chart in front of me because you can't remember all of these laps. No. It's impossible. <laughs> um, so Mercedes have done 1,952 laps in total for four days of testing in comparison to, let's say, McLaren, who have done 743. Okay. So I think we can say McLaren have some way to go before they'll be challenging Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to hope that some of the other teams can find something. Yeah. Um, we don't want another season of just two people driving around um, competing against each other because, let's face it, I don't, I don't think that's what Formula One is about. No, honestly, so, there's, there's no motivation for us over here to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning to watch these races if it's just going to be, you know, one person yeah. winning the whole way. Yeah, so let's hope Ferrari have found – I mean, it looks like they've found something, but at this stage, you know, we always do testing and – everybody sandbags massively they just go I'm not going to show you what I've actually got I mean why would I (laughs) so let's wait until after Australia maybe the first couple of races and then we'll be able to judge it for sure then and and, you know maybe if they do this crazy qualifying and mix it all up then that could add an extra curveball and you know there are tracks where it's really difficult to overtake Mm -hmm. so if you put Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg at the back of the grid Someone else could win the race. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess last question. Uh, I saw that your first race that you ever covered with, for F Formula One was Canada in 2011. How the heck was that? <laughs> long. <laughs> it was the longest experience of my entire broadcasting career. And I've done some crazy things in that career. Um, it was amazing. Um, I got a phone call and I was basically covering for the girl who was doing it full time that year. Um, and I was delighted to be asked. And I thought, that's awesome. I'll, I've been to Canada before, people there. Um, so I'll go over and I'll just kind of ease myself into it. I don't have to do so much maybe for my first one because I knew no one. Um, you know, I, one of the, you know, the more famous people could have walked past me and I, I wouldn't have known who they were because it's fine on paper. You can do as much prep as you want and learn about these people. But when you're actually seeing them face to face, that's kind of different. They don't necessarily look like they do on a piece of paper. Um, and then it rained and rained and rained and rained. (laughs) Um, and we had four hours of radio to fill. And I knew no one. <laughs> By the end of the four hours, I knew a lot more people than I did beforehand. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a great way of finding my feet as a Formula One broadcaster. Um, I'm not sure I would recommend it to everybody to do, um, but it was a fantastic opportunity. And I still look back on that broadcast and think we did some of the coolest things um, that we, we had the opportunity to do that normally, you know, you're fighting for airtime and it's really difficult to, to get on. But no fighting here it was an open door you could just walk through (laughs) that's awesome I was at Circuit of the Americas this year for that qualifying too uh (laughs) I can imagine it's some of the same kind of thing there where uh at least the teams were doing some things to entertain people 
but yeah I can't imagine trying to cover something like that yeah I, I managed to miss that one um because I came back to the UK to do Formula E and then I went back out to America the day after to continue doing Formula One um so I missed the epic rainstorm but I just I mean we've had a few occasions like that we've had Malaysia we had a bad one India all of basically all of the technology crashed and went down so there was just acres of space for me personally to fill because I was the only one that had the ability to broadcast Mm -hmm. that was fun (laughs) what actually what is your favorite um what's your favorite Formula E city so far Ooh, that's tough because I think they pick good cities they they really do um I loved Long Beach last year Mm -hmm. I thought it looked epic um and it, I think it painted a really good picture of what Formula E is, what it's about, and and it was fun. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe I would go with that one. I mean, everyone will go, oh, but what about the UK? You can't not say that. Whatever. Honestly, the I, I was at Long Beach last year, and we're going again this year, and I we had a fantastic time. I mean, I had never really thought about Long Beach as a city in and of itself, and the city was really cool. And um, the race looked great. The beach was right there. It was fantastic. Yeah. So good choice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was really great. No problem at all. You're more than welcome. Get better soon. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Stop talking. Sarah, I'm still super disappointed I got laryngitis and couldn't be part of that interview. Like, I... I, I... It was hilarious, like, and particularly funny in hindsight. But I've been really looking forward to the interview. Your timing was horrible. My timing was horrible. And it was, it was legitimately, and that was my voice on a good day. Like, I've been whispering for three days at that point. And it was kind of, it was kind of absurd. But to wrap up the first F1 edition of the season, to wrap up the Grid Girls Australia podcast, we have some questions that people sent us at hashtag AskTGG. AskTGG time. I'm so excited. This is and actually I'm going to let really, you start. This is actually becoming one of my favorite parts of our podcast. Uh, some so. of these questions are ridiculous and some of them are excellent. And Absolutely. all of them are wonderful. They are. They are. Um, all right. So our first question today comes from Andre Harrison on Twitter. And he asks, your top five favorite IndyCar personalities. And he also says, good luck. Love your podcasting English cousin. Uh, top five favorite IndyCar personalities. Okay, if we're going just on like hilariousness and personality, and not in, I'm not based on how much I love them. Uh, I'm gonna go with Simon Paginot because obvious reasons. Have you seen all those dumb videos? Like, come on. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, duh. Helio Castroneves, hilarious. Um, I mean Connor Daly's pretty funny. I'll go with him. Now I need one more. I got to decide between all of these idiots. <clears throat> um, um, maybe I'll go with Will Power. Will Power's pretty funny. He's all right. His brother's funny, really, is what the thing yeah, is. Yeah. Oh, wait, all the oh my God. I made a huge mistake. Take Will Power out of there. I forgot about Canada. James Hinchcliffe. I was like, where is James Hinchcliffe <laughs> in this up. list? I fucked up real bad. No, Hinch. Look. Uh, when you say top five favorite IndyCar personalities, obviously I don't know IndyCar as well as you do, um, but it's more like people I've watched videos that I've enjoyed. Uh, Will Power, Australia. 
Hinchcliffe, hilarious. Um, Joseph Newgarden being a Muppet. You probably have to say Helio, Helio Nevis as well. Um, admittedly, I would probably say almost the same as you, Simon Pagano as well, because all of the videos I've seen to do with IndyCar have been sent to me by you. <laughs> I mean, so they the- heavily feature these people that you like. Yes. I mean, Simon Pagano is very important. He has scarves. scarves. He ran through a cornfield. He delivered stuff to the NASCAR team, Penske team, and it was amazing. He's the I mean, reason did, why. Wasn't I'm... he the one where he didn't he hide inside a box? That was Helio. That was Helio. Okay, that was Helio. That was my favorite. Like those poor staff members. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. So that was that was very important. That was very important. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's that's a good top five. I can't believe I forgot Hinch. I'm a terrible person. Um, You're American. That's fine. Yeah, Canada. Listen, I I overlook Canada as a general rule. It's fine. It's fine. I love how you're like, I overlook Canada. I'm like, yeah, as the country whose government isn't going to help. Have fun. Listen. Rob Ford. I love how you're like, (laughs) that was the mayor of one town. That wasn't someone we were about to elect prime minister or president. I know, I know. Hey, can you can you even vote in Canada? No. Are you, is that a thing? No. Do you vote in Australia? How does Australia work? I vote in Australia. Um, I vote as a non-resident. So okay. I vote in the electorate I last was listed as a resident. Okay. So I think I vote in Melbourne. Yeah. Potentially, I think I moved my voting back to my parents. So I vote in my hometown. The more you know. Yes. So next question from Kale Putnam. Uh, on, of the one-off Indy 500 liveries we've seen so far... What is your favorite? The yellow that, one. That highlighter livery. And, and Kale is bloating this question because Pagano is his favorite driver. Like, I must say I'm like the yellow one being the only one I've seen so far. <laughs> no, it's, it's excellent. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's, that's no question. Some of them are, some of the other ones are pretty good, but like, yeah. It's, that, yeah, that yellow one is so like, great. It's so yellow. I just don't know what to do, you know? Yeah. Anyways, so that's that. Uh, RJ says, I'm a 15-year supporter of Fernando Alonso. How much Bless alcohol you, RJ. with the 2016 season ahead? Uh, all of it? If you haven't... No, 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 no. I think you all need a moderate level of alcohol. It's not quite like tequila slammer level of alcohol, which is basically like tequila shots level of alcohol, which was last season. But it's not quite like fine wine enjoyed while celebrating victory. It's more like... What? We're gonna have good days. We're gonna have some bad days. I got this. I got this. You know what kind of you know what kind of alcohol this is? There is a Spanish drink that you can make that we made for Canada. It is called Calimosto, and it is half Coke, half red wine. That's what you need this season. You need to get yourself a box of wine and a three liter of Coke, and mix them half and half, and just drink that. You need to not take Sarah's advice because that sounds like a fucking terrible idea. It's so good. It's so good. We I, feel like, I feel like this is like the, the, the cheap American version of sangria. You're like, Dude, oh, let's not get fancy with sangria. Let's just put fancy. fucking Coke in it. This is a thing they legitimately do in Spain. I know, but the fact that you're gung-ho about it concerns me. We brought, like I said, we brought a box of wine and a three liter of Coke to uh, the Canadian Grand Prix last year, and we got got drunk also (laughs) firstly no one should say as proudly as you just did we bought a box of wine 
box of wine can be totally okay, all right? That can be a totally legit drink. They make good it was actually expensive box of wine too. I think <laughs> it's like forty dollars for it. Forty Canadian dollars. That's an expensive box of wine. <laughs> Listen, yes, very much so. It was fine. That's that, that is my recommendation. For a the fact that they make a three liter bottle of Coke. They do. You just have to go to like Walmart or like somewhere where they sell things that are very large. I don't know. We Costco. found a th- where he got it. Like I didn't buy the alcohol for this trip. It wasn't my job. Or the so Coke. the correct answer is how much alcohol do you need? A moderate amount, not straight liquor but not like nice stuff. You need the stuff that you can drink a considerable amount of without throwing up. Yes, that is that is a good And it won't make you black out because you may want to remember some parts of it. This actually leads like into the hilarious footage of them. It's the hilarious footage of them at uh, the Shandon Winery. Like, yeah, oh my God, that commercial is ridiculous. Uh, this is like, what have you two been doing? This looks so suspect. Another question that we got actually was from Roxanne on Twitter, and she asks for drink recommendations while watching motorsports. That. Look. Depends. Okay. Depends. Also water. 8 a.m. in the morning, champagne and and orange juice, mimosas. (laughs) That is the only appropriate alcohol at 8 a.m. in the morning is something with juice. You can at least pretend it's a breakfast drink. Um, vodka. I have grapefruit vodka, so grapefruit vodka with grapefruit juice is my preferred morning race drink. Mm-hmm. Um, any other time, cider, Radlers, or gin. Normally, it's gin. I I like gin, so like gin. Yeah, gin. I will usually not. But go it depends how long the race is. Yeah. If you're watching Le Mans, you need to have a plan. And you need to take it, like, consistently. And you probably yeah. need to stick to, like, wine or cider or something because if you start on gin for a 24-hour race, you're going to be fucked. Yeah. And true. we've witnessed this. One of the first races that Sarah and I watched together via Skype was the Australian Grand Prix of 2014. That's right. got trashed and went to sleep at about – the race finished at about 6 p.m. and Saski was unconscious by 7 only to wake up the next morning and find that Daniel Ricciardo had had his second place taken oh, off of. That's right. I was so devastated. And that race was at, like, stupid o'clock for us, so we were drunk. Yeah, it was It was at 1 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, yeah. So that was fun. We were all drunk. I guess the, the general rule of thumb is don't, don't make your drinks top-heavy because uh, you want to last the whole race. You don't yeah. want to – don't be like me. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't, don't do that ever. Um, next question. RJ says, uh, why are stadium super trucks the best race ever? Dude, stadium super trucks are fucking awesome. I can't even deal with how amazing stadium super trucks were. I was not expecting this at all. So basically, like I said earlier, there are like six or seven of these things. They're like jacked up pickup trucks with like roll cages and like, they're built to go over jumps. They go over jumps. What the hell? Like, I just... Nothing about this made sense. They drag out all these jumps between, I think it was between the Pro Mazda series and the actual race, and they did stadium super trucks. And I, it was great. Also, Matthew Brabham drove one of them. I just, I don't, I, I, I have no words. It was great. It was fantastic. And they're doing it in Boston. I'm not really sure how that's going to work, considering there's a tunnel. But we'll see. It was real fun to watch. Yeah, that was like, uh, no. 
No, no, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, Rory asks, is Romain Grosjean on the $100 bill yet? And if not, why not? Because he's not American. Because it's early. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that cracks me up. I know. I'm assuming you've seen Talladega Nights. Duh. Oh, he. I just can't see him or hear him in anything to do with Hearts without envisioning him as Sasha Baron Cohen's character in Talladega Nights. I'm fast, Ricky Bobby. Or you're fast, Ricky Bobby. But I'm faster. I'm coming for you, Lucky Bobby. Yep. The funny thing is, Simon Paginot basically is that character. (laughs) Just like you're like, oh, you're living into this cliche. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good so, time. The last question, the last question that we have is also from Roxanne, and it says, The guys on the podium this weekend were animals. What kind of animals would they be? Nino <laughs> Rosberg is a pretty, pretty pony. <laughs> long, I mean, shiny golden mate, or like a really pretty, like, like, like Kennel club, no, no, like a pretty, pretty kennel club award-winning silky, like golden retriever. That's but that's good. the I fancy like. ones that are like purebred and like entered into competitions. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. Um, I I don't know where else to go with this question. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't know. What is Vettel? What would Vettel be? He's kind of annoying. I feel like Vettel would be like a hedgehog or something. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm just like, like, it's a hedgehog. It's cute. It's like like spiky. Little monkeys at the zoo that like throws poop at people and laughs about it. Like that is. (laughs) He's a poop. He's a little velvet face monkey or something like that. Little jackass. Um, I don't know about Lewis. He was just kind of there. I mean, I count Mark Webber because he was there, and he could be a giraffe. Because that's like all I've got. I was like, I don't have anything for Lewis. But for the first official race episode of the Grid Girls for the 2016 season, this is where we should call quits. I'm Saskia Stewart. You are? I'm Sarah Connors. And we will see you at the next race. Yes, I can die.